Hello, this is AJ Roberts, 15-year British Forces veteran, entrepreneur, high-performance coach and loving father and husband. This podcast is for the motivated, for the inspired, for those looking to level up their lives through fitness, nutrition and their mindset. Welcome to The Best Version of You. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of The Best Version of You. I'm your host as always, AJ Roberts, and today I'm extremely excited to bring to you a very special guest in the form of Andy Bishop, or Bish to his mates. How you doing, Bish? Yeah, very good, mate. Very good. Thanks for having me. Now, I'm really excited to get Bish on the show. Uh, We've been talking for a long time on LinkedIn and other various platforms, and Bish is a massive advocate for mental health, especially within the military community, so I was really eager to get him here today, and we're actually recording this in the environment of my own house. Um, so a bit about Bish, he uh, joined the Royal Engineers, uh, finest Queen's Majesty soldiers, <laughs> in 1990, and he did a full career leaving in 2012, during which time Bish served in Northern Ireland, he served in Bosnia four times, and he served in Iraq going across the border in 2003. Over the period of uh, Bish's career, he suffered, unfortunately, with his own mental illnesses and his own demons, and it was with, with, towards the latter end of his career, in his last seven years, that he really did start to struggle, and subsequently, once he left. Bish tried to basically avoid this and keep it to himself, and this led to a number of failed suicide attempts, unfortunately, uh, which I'm sure Bish would be happy to share with you. Um, but this then led to Bish finally getting help, and he then has now gone on to help people all around the country by doing talks and helping other people overcome their, their own adversities and their own demons. So, Bish, absolutely pleasure to have you on, my mate. Oh, pleasure to be here. Thank if you, uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing with the, the listeners and the viewers just a bit about how you got to where you are now. Um, so yeah, the way I found, found myself here, um, sitting here today, is um, by virtue of the fact that um, I suffer from mental illness, and um, yeah, I'm fully aware of the pain and the torment and the, the anguish that people can go through, um, and yeah, I, I want to try and try and educate people, tell people that it's not weak to speak, because fundamentally I think that's one of the, the main reasons why um, we've got such a big, big problem around mental health these days. Yeah, we do it. It's massive, and we were talking off camera just beforehand, um, just about the individuals that we know personally that um, took their lives two years ago this month. Yeah. Um, Sergeant Nathan Shimwell and and Staff Sparks, um, good friends, and they just had these underlying problems that was kept to themselves, and as a result, took their own lives. Um, so, I mean, what you're doing now as a result of your own demons and having such close friends is absolutely fantastic. Um, just talk us through those seven years before you got out, like what it was actually like for you and keeping that, all that sort of horrible, those horrible thoughts and that, you know, locked in and not speaking to anybody. So the first time, the first time I can ever remember realising that there was something wrong inside my head was, um, we'd come back from Iraq. While we were out in Iraq, I'd injured my shoulder. Um, I dislocated it. Long story, another story for another, another time. I dislocated my shoulder while I was out on operations, um, stayed on the operation, and when I came back, I had a surgery to fix it. When I went through the surgery, um, got the shoulder fixed, went back to back to the unit, um, and because the doctors had told me that there'd be some physical discomfort, some physical pain, I accepted that. I was happy with the, the physical pain, but I didn't bother talking to anybody about the, um, the actual amount of physical pain I was in. I was, ended up suffering a, a deep infection in my shoulder. Oh. So that resulted in me then getting um, blue-lighted from um, Hona into a German civilian hospital hmm. about 40 k's away from everywhere yeah. um, and being on my own in that hospital for, for about two weeks, 10 days, two weeks I was in there for. Nice little room on my own, um, set there getting recovered and getting everything fixed but totally alone, mm. totally, totally alone. Um, and what I hadn't done when we'd come back from Iraq 
was decompressed. Mm. I hadn't let off all the steam. I hadn't put in things in place to um, cope with what we'd done and what we were we were involved in in Iraq. Um, and this was the first time that everything started to kind of kind of hit me. I don't suffer from PTSD. I never have done. Just need to make that clear. Mm. Um, the army didn't didn't do anything to me. Um, I did it all to myself. And the thing that I did was I didn't speak to people. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the first time I, I remember feeling feeling really low, feeling totally worthless, basically. Um, didn't tell anybody about it. Didn't mm. tell anybody about it at all. Um, went back to the unit, got posted, went into an instructor post. Um, and my boss there one day said, look, there's something wrong with you, mate. You need to go and see the doctor. Mm. I said, no, I'm fighting fit, I'm fighting fit. And he said, no, he said, you've got something wrong. I really need you to go and see the doctor. It's good It's good that somebody actually sort of took a step back and actually acknowledged that there was something wrong with me. You could see that and actually said something. Yeah, yeah. But it was like talking to a brick wall. Hmm. I went to see the doctor. The doctor said, yeah, mate, you're depressed. And I was, I was standing in front of him. I'm six foot tall. I'm nearly 18 stone. I'm a rugby player. I'm a, I'm a hard man mm. to all intents and purposes. And I've got this civilian doctor standing in front of me saying, you're, you're depressed. It didn't happen to people like me, mate. Depression didn't happen to people like me. Yeah. Um, so basically I walked out of the doctors. Um, she'd given me a prescription um, and a sick chit saying two weeks off and all that. Screwed it up in the bin. Off it went. Went back to see my boss. Yeah, nothing wrong with me. Crack on. And that was that. Nothing further was said because I denied it to, to my boss. But more importantly, I denied everything to, my, to myself because I just couldn't accept it. So uh, what, obviously you were denying it all that time. Uh, like, What point did it get so bad that you was like, well, I've got to end this? Yeah, the, my, my first suicide attempt happened in 2010. Um, and you mentioned earlier on, you, you called them failed suicide attempts. Mm. Um, I call them my successful attempts. Yeah, I so. I call them successful because one of my coping strategies these days is to look for silver lining in everything. Yeah, that's right. Um, and if I can look for silver lining in my suicide attempt, I call it successful because it allows me now to go and talk about yeah. what led up to that, that attempt. Um, at the time, I was um, in a job. We spoke about the, the job that I was doing and the fact that the... Um, the um, unit that I was with were, were downsizing and um, mm. nobody was getting posted in so I really didn't have too much to do. So my self-worth was severely lacking, really, really just felt, felt worthless. I wasn't getting any, any praise, I wasn't seeing any, wasn't seeing anything in work and I was going and sitting in my room in the mess. Um, I'd get up in the morning, go to work, after, straight after work I wouldn't even go and, go and have dinner. I'd go and sit in my room in the mess and just ruin my life and just think, what's, what's become? Mm. Um, and no matter how much I tried to go out and enjoy myself and how much I tried to, to, to make myself feel positive it just wasn't happening the, the, the pain and the anguish and the burden that was going on inside my brain I just couldn't take it out and the more I let it sit there and fester and didn't talk to people about it the bigger and the all encompassing it got so um, yeah I, 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 I ended up um, not going to go into the mechanics of the attempt because that'd just be wrong. Mm. Um, but I ended up trying to trying to do something quite quite bad to myself. But everything happens for a reason, mate. It does, yeah. Ser serendipity. Totally agree. Everything happens for a reason. My mate chose that day to phone me. And he phoned phoned me. I didn't answer. He phoned me about three or four times. Still didn't answer. So he phoned my missus, who was back in Southampton. Um, she said that he. He's disappeared. So um, he phoned camp. He phoned camp, spoke to the guard room. Has Bish come in? Um, he's like, yeah, well, he, I think he came in yesterday. His car's there. Go and check on him in his room. And they came and checked on him in my room. And I woke up in, in Adam Brooks Hospital. Wow. So, um, yeah, I, I, I literally owe my life to that man. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that time then, waking up in the hospital... Um, I've spoken to other suicide survivors since um, obviously doing that. Um, I've spoken to other suicide survivors and they spoke about the feelings and stuff. Um, and the feeling I had, I had, a couple of feelings started washing over me as um, I was coming, coming to in the hospital. And one of them was failure. Mm. I was like, oh, I'm useless at everything. I can't even do this right. 
I shouldn't be waking up in this hospital. That kind of was there as almost like a constant that um, I shouldn't be here. But then it was soon, soon placed with regret and regret about the decision that I'd made, regret about the decisions I'd made in my life to lead me up to this and why hadn't I listened to people in the, in the past. Did you, at that, at that point, did you think about everyone else in your family and like what they would have had to have gone through if it... So if you spoke to me, if you spoke to me back then yeah. and asked me who I was doing it for, that's who I was doing it for. Mm. That, because I'd become, in my, in my mind, such a burden on everybody. Um, I wouldn't want to go out with my mates. I wouldn't want to go and socialise. If I did go and socialise, I'd be a social hand grenade um, because I would am- amplify, amplify ap- absolutely every feeling that was going on inside me and I would put on this, this show to, to the world. No, there's no way I'm depressed. There's no way I've got something wrong with me mentally. Mm. Look, how can I be? Look how I'm the life and soul of the yeah, yeah. And that's something that you often find with people, people that are going that way or people that may, may have been um, thinking about um, thinking about ending their own lives. They might be on a, on a depressive kind of um, path for, for a time and then once they've made a plan, once they've got that, that thing in their head, they suddenly get a little bit more exuberant. Hmm. And it's, it's almost like a weight being lifted off your shoulders. Yeah. And you think, yeah, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay for, for me and it's going to be okay for everyone. But I, I, I really did learn quite quickly that, um, and I think this, this got hammered home in 2017, um, that it doesn't end the pain. Ending your life um, like that does not end the pain. All it does is transfers the ownership. Yeah, um, I'm sure you can you can allude to that. Yeah, um, the, the pain that you're going through at that time, and I've been there. I've I've felt that pain. I've been lower than a snake's belly. You know, I could walk walk underneath a snake's belly wearing a top hat in in terms of mood and not touch. That's how how low I, I, I would be would be feeling. Um, but yeah, that that doesn't even come near the pain that everybody that would be left um, takes on so yeah it's a, it, it doesn't solve anything but you can get better I'm living proof that mm. you can get better and all you've got to do is talk about it you've got to speak about it to people yeah if you're ever feeling that, that way yeah and it, and it is a common trend with like a lot of the guests that I've had on uh, recently and the veterans that have uh, like Mickey Yule, Stevie Arnold, people like that have lost limbs and, you know, they could have gone one way or the other, um, but they've gone on to fight through that, that window yeah, yeah. and then gone on, I mean, look at them now, they're representing the country in like sort of various disciplines and like doing amazing things and doing talks around the country and yeah. um, they're just, you know, absolutely crushing it like day yeah, in, yeah. day out. Um, but, it, you know, like we were saying before, it's... <coughs> they're not talking to anybody part and every single one of these guys and girls have said the same thing that like once they took that leap of faith and expressed themselves and just released almost releasing that tension so to speak um a they feel so much better for it but it then starts a path to sort of recovery mentally physically emotionally absolutely and then like what you're doing now you're you know going around the country doing talks to people who are suffering in yeah. silence um, and doing amazing things so like um, going back to that like what at what point did you say right I want to share my experiences to help other people it was it was two years ago mm. um, it was when we lost Sparky yeah um, it really knocked me for six um, in the build up to, to losing Sparky I was actually off work at the time um, I was on a, um, on sick leave from work for, I had been for um, a couple of months um, and I remained on sick leave for another three or four months after after that um, and the reason I was on, on sick leave was exactly the same as that initial kind of thing somebody had said there's something wrong with you and I said no there's not mm. um, I remember sitting in when I got sent to the, see the occupational um, health psychiatrist um, for an assessment and she said I'm going to sign you off work for six weeks and I was in a I was in a snotty sweaty mess in this this, this doctor's office um, just saying look I've got to go to work I've got to go to work and she said no you've got to get better she, and she was right but I, I couldn't understand it I, and even even going home that, that week after after going to see her and listening to this this medical professional whose job it is to recognise these signs and symptoms 
I, I still didn't trust her. I still knew better. Yeah. Um, but she she made a she made a statement then. She said, um, "Yeah, you might think you're doing well." She said, "But if, I guarantee, if I go and speak to your colleagues um, and ask them to explain what the carpet looks like in your office, they'll say it's wall to wall eggshells because that's what you're doing to them." Because I was doing that amplif- amplification thing, I was mm. I was bigger, better, faster, harder, stronger than everybody. I wouldn't take no for an answer. I like that analogy as well. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's not a good carpet to have. Though. Yeah, not a good carpet yeah. to have. But I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. All I could see was forwards. All I could see was was me. Um, all I could all I could envision was me being this 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 go getter. I was going into work at six o'clock in the morning. I'm not supposed to start till eight. Mm. I was working all the way through my, my working day, finishing six, seven o'clock at night sometimes, taking work home with me, because I thought that's what I had to do. Was it, all the time you were working, just going back to then, were you very much like 100% focused on producing that work for somebody else? It wasn't actually for you, it's just all for them. Yeah, everything, and it, everything and, I did was for somebody else. And do you think that that was to take your mind off other things? Because and not, not uh, If I focus on myself, I'm going to go down a slippery slope. If I focus all my attention on doing this for somebody else, yeah. somebody else's pocket, so to speak, yeah, yeah. Um, then yeah, that, then I'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. But then you're not, you're not giving yourself any of the, the, the attention you need to sort yeah. yourself out. It's just you're then living your life for somebody else, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, would, I would go and do things for myself. I was heavily into cycling at the time. Mm. Um, I've put on about three stones since since those last two years, but that's, that's as a result of my medication. Yeah. Um, it's given me a voracious appetite. That's my excuse. And I'm sticking to it. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I was heavily into cycling at the time. So I would... I would go and let off steam by going out and riding 30, 40, 50 miles in the, in the, in the new forest and, and stuff and not spending time with my family, not unwinding. I was just constantly on the go. Mm. That then had a knock-on effect. I'd, I'd spend what left, what little was left of the day with my family. Um, we'd end up arguing because I was being, I was being 100% selfish. Yeah. I, was, I, was, I was telling them I was doing it for them. I was telling them that it was all for them, but it wasn't. It was all for me. Totally and utterly selfish. Um, and yeah, you can only run a you can only run an engine so hard mm. for a certain period of time before the pistons blow, and that's exactly what happened to me. Yeah, um, I was burning myself up. I wasn't sleeping, waking up at stupid o'clock in the morning. Oh, I'll go to work. That'll that'll fix it. Yeah, top idea. Um, so since then, since then, um, I've gone back into work. I'd have graduated, returned to work, um, and. I go into work now, quarter to eight in the morning, still a little bit too early, apparently. Um, I take my lunch break, I take my, um, I, I leave work at the end of my contracted hours, I turn my work mobile phone off at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, what's that all about? I yeah. never, never used to do that. Um, and if I don't need the computer for the next day, it stays on my desk in the office. No, that's good. I leave work at work, um, I concentrate on family time, I'm sleeping better, I'm far more positive. Um, yeah, it's because yeah. you're, not, you're not being a reactor. That's it, yeah. And it's something I've talked about on a lot of podcasts recently, uh, a lot of Instagram lives, uh, LinkedIn, like stuff like that, is that people really have to try and get out of of this reactive mode where the first thing they do when they wake up in the morning is they check Facebook or Instagram or emails and stuff like that. So you're immediately reacting to the beck and call of somebody else, what they want from you, rather than making that first 20, 30 minutes all about you and your day. And it, it makes it so much more powerful by getting up, not touching your phone, not touching any socials, not touching emails, yeah. and just making that first, at least half an hour about you. And then if it involves exercise, obviously the first hour, um, I, I can't stress it enough, it's been, it's been made wonders for me. So I imagine what it, like, it does for yourself, just by with, shutting off when at appropriate times. Yeah, yeah. With, with, with relation to the phone, um, with relation to the phone stuff, I don't take my phone in the bedroom. Mm. Um, and I suggest that to other people. Um, I dare I dare I use the term millennials, um, who who've got that phone as an extension of their hand all the time. Well, I need it. It's my alarm clock. Yeah. I'm like no, it's it's a mobile phone, mate. Yeah. An alarm clock is an alarm clock. Go yeah. and get an alarm clock, a real one. Yeah. You know, like a round face with bells on the top. Yeah. It does the same job. And then you you don't. It's not the first thing you see in the morning. Mm. The first thing you see in the morning is the time, and then you can plan it plan it a bit better. Yeah. One of the best moves I ever made. Do you, do you think, uh, did you implement that early on? As in when you, you realised obviously you got a problem, you got to start sorting out, was it one of the first things or was it just like um, a gradual sort of easing yourself into making imp- like small improvements? Yeah, it's, yeah, 
marginal gains. Mm. Um, I mentioned cycling and stuff. Dale, Dave Brace, Brails for his marginal gains. He loves stuff, stuff like mm. this. Um, yeah, it's a marginal gain. Just just doing that one change and you notice the improvement straight yeah, away in, yeah. in other areas of, of your life. Um, I used to be exactly as you said, pick up the phone, looking through it. Oh, I've got to do this today. I've got to do that today. And before I'd even got dressed, I mean, you're like, what's that about? Yeah. What's that about now? Alarm clock goes off. Getting dressed, getting getting ready for the day, mm. and by the time I get downstairs, I'm already awake. I'm already had that that initial part of the day to mm. plan it out, and then uh, away I go. Yeah, I mean, me and I was talking to before me and Mrs. We go out every morning uh, for walks. We get up, we go for a sort of three three and a half k walk, and all we do is chat. It's it's brilliant because you know time. yeah it's it's amazing and like the things we do and plan um, for the months ahead is superb because. You know, there's loads of couples out there, I'm sure people watching and listening might be one of them, where you literally get up in the morning, you're rushing around, you get the kids sorted, and then you're out the door, and then you don't even speak to each other during the day because you're at work. Yeah, yeah. So, like, just a little half-hour walk in the morning, uh, if, if you can. Uh, I can't stress it enough, it's fantastic. Mate, I, I totally agree with you, and I, I always advise people as well, if they, if they want to talk to somebody, mm. do something like that, go for a walk together. Mm. go for a walk together you're both heading in the same direction you're both focusing on the same things ahead of you it might sound a little bit corny but the conversation because you, you're physically doing it you're 100% in the moment you're in the moment together yeah. you're seeing the same things Yeah. Um, if you're not that physically active go for a drive sit next to each other in the car you're still doing the same thing facing the same direction mm. you're sitting next to each other you're sitting across from a table um, if, you, if you've got doubts with each other it, it can it's easier to read people's faces and pick up on the negatives and, mm. and bits and pieces and well, you're looking at me a bit funny there what's that about <laughs> um, and turn it into an argument or turn it into negatives and stuff but if you go in the same direction yeah side by side that's the that's the way to do it so like going back to when you knew you had a serious problem but at the same time you come, you made the small changes you were concentrating on the one thing at yeah. a time which is brilliant yeah um, a lot of people try and do a million things at once which makes things worse yeah um when you sort of come out on the other side, what point did you decide, I, I need to get out there, I've got a brilliant message here that I can help a lot of people? It was, it was um, part of my job, I'm a, I'm a health and safety consultant. Um, and I teach a lot of um, training courses to builders. Mm. The construction industry, very, very, very similar to the military. We're all tough men. Yeah. Um, the construction industry is probably the last bastion of male macho culture um, out there. So rightly so, one of the, the training organisations have, have um, put in key learning points about mental health awareness. Um, and I just started off talking to like site labourers and I started expanding on, on my story as well as the key learning points. Mm. And I found that my message was getting more than just these bullet points on a slide. I was relating more to the guys and I was able to get the guys to open up I wasn't getting them to open up in front of a class if that wasn't what they wanted, but they would come and they would come and grab me throughout the day um, and say, oh yeah, really like what you said there. Um, should I go and see a doctor or should I go and do this? I think I'm, I'm demonstrating those signs. And I thought, well, people are listening to me here. People are listening to what I'm saying. I'm my message that it's not weak to speak is, is hitting home. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that kind of empowered me. The, the, the more times I, I did that, um, and then again through work, um, we put on an annual forum when all our member clients turn up. So we had about 300 people in the room. And I got up and spoke to people. Um, got up and spoke to them about stress um, and mental health kind of awareness. And I asked them at the end what their level of respect for me was. Had it gone down? Had it gone up? Had it remained the same? And they all said it had gone up. I, I got a standing ovation. They keep you know, oh. clapping and cheering. I was like, these people are listening, I can make a difference to, to people. Mm. And then it started happening, I was getting messages, I get an email, thank like two, three, four weeks later after I get a speaking event or something, Andy, thank you so much for your, um, for being brave enough to stand up and talk about your story. I recognise symptoms in myself, I've gone and got help. I've, I've gone and done this and now I'm in a far better place. I've spoken to my boss and we've got, we've got, um, we've got a little bit of extra help because to ease the pressure and the demands and stuff. And it, just those little things like that really kind of drive me on to get this, this message out there. But fundamentally, fundamentally, the reason I do what I do is because um, 
because of what I've tried to do to myself in the past and the potential to, to, for the pain that would have caused everybody that I love. Yeah. Um, and that's because of the <clears throat> losing losing Sparky a couple of years ago. The pain that I felt there was was immense. Yeah. The, the absolute pain was, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was horrible. I don't want anybody to go through it. No. I mean, there was a moment, there was a moment at, um, or a couple of moments at the funeral when we, we went over to Germany. And um, the emotions that were just present at that, that funeral, phenomenal. Obviously, we did it in two, two parts. Um, there was a German, German padre and the army padre running the service. <laughs> and one of them was using a microphone to um, do his parts of the service. So it was, it was an emotional affair, as you can imagine. We moved out of the churchyard into the um, into the, the, the graveyard. They're ready to do the, the the burial itself. And there's this moment in the in the service when one of the padres put the microphone down on a on a, on a chair. And where I was standing, I, I could see I could see the coffin. They were doing the bits with the, the flag that they do, and I could see young Liam, son, just sitting there on this chair. And I could see the pain. And the despair that was etched into his face. And then I could hear him just sobbing quietly. He's just going, Daddy, Daddy. And I, that, that image and that sound will stay, will stay with me forever. Yeah. The, the, the sense of loss that was in that, that kid's face at that time. And I'm not, mate, I, I, the, the, this comes across as wrong. I, the emotion that I felt there, can I hazard a guess what it was? Anger. Anger and hatred. Yeah. Hated him, I hated him for what he'd done, mm. and I, that that really played on me. Um, I'm not sure if the cameras can pick up on the the hairs have just gone right <laughs> up on my end. That's he's just heard me say that. I'm sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was short lived. It was it was short lived. I'm glad to say. But, um, yeah, I hated myself for, 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 for doing that. And there was another bit later on in the in the ceremony. Uh, after the after the service had finished, sorry, um, we went back to the wake. Um, military wakes can be quite a quite a raucous <laughs> yeah. affair. And there's a couple hundred people all standing around in the in the graveyard. Uh, not in the graveyard. In the um, it was a German guesty guest house kind of place, sitting out there in the beer garden. And I took myself off for a, for a bit of a condor moment. Mm. And I was just watching what was going on and listening. It was all conversations, you know. You remember when? Yeah. I remember this, the chinking of beers and the laughter was starting, there was a few songs being sung. And then I, I was standing, I was looking and this, this wave of confusion just came over me. Mm. And I was so, so confused how every one of these people that was talking around there and celebrating this man's loss, how we were all there because he thought he couldn't turn to any of us and none of us could help him. Yeah. And the confusion then. So, yeah. Um, I'm lucky enough to have come back from that, that edge. Um, I refer to it, I actually refer to the place um, where I went to do it the, the, the second time, I refer to it as my rock bottom. Mm -hmm. As engineers, we know you've got to, got to have a solid foundation to build on. Yeah. You can't get much further, yeah. further or much more solid than that, yeah. than that rock bottom platform. So from that moment, um, yes, this happened in the middle of that, that, kind of, that kind of episode, but yeah, it's the only way it's been up. Yeah, I mean, it was really, really similar for myself at Shimmers' funeral, and that was that was, um, that was two years ago. So there was only a week's week between them taking their own lives, wasn't yeah. there? And it was actually at Shimmers' funeral when I was stood doing a eulogy in front of everybody, and his um, previous partners and his kids were sat there. His mum was sat there. His sisters were sat there, and they were just staring at me. And everyone else was kind of eyes were fixated on what I was saying. And that's when I realised that these people are genuinely searching for a little bit of hope, a bit of laughter, um, something to make them feel better in the moment. And that's when I realised myself, like, um, and they were getting that from what I was saying. I was telling funny stories about Shimmers, about how he just snuck into my house one day and got into my bed where with me and Sam, like, because he was still half cut and just stuff like that. And it was just making people really laugh and just feel a lot better about the situation and remembering him for who he was. But they were etched on what I was saying. And that's when I really realised, like, I'm making this audience feel a lot better about something yeah. negative. 
And that's when I realised like I need to do this full time. Yeah. Um, and by that I don't mean speaking to people's funerals. I mean speaking to audiences who are not feeling great, not are feeling bad about themselves for whatever reason, have got mental health problems, uh, are in a sticky situation, who want to come out better on the other side. That's when I personally realised like this is what I need to do. So you know, so similar to where you went from. Uh, I wasn't rock bottom at the time personally, but I was in a pretty bad place in terms of like one of our best friends took his life. Um, and I just felt obliged to try and make everybody feel better because of my relationship with him yeah, yeah, yeah. and being a father myself. Um, so yeah, I, t- I totally get where you come from. And it's, it's like, again, taking a real positive out of a really negative situation and, and using that to help other people, you know, make that step into better things. Um, so it's, you know, it's hugely remarkable what you're doing. If one person, one if I've if I've helped one person just to realise just to realise that there is hope if I can demonstrate that I've come back from that edge I've walked that path um, that rocky road I've been at the lowest of the low and thought that that was the only way out and I've uh, for whatever reason whatever part of whatever great plan is there I've been brought back from that edge um, and I've got a good feeling that it is it um, and now yeah I, I I take every day as it comes. Um, what one of my best coping strategies um, is all about circles of influence. Mm. So um, I think it's it, it's very similar to maybe the, the serenity prayer that Alcoholics Anonymous use as part of their twelve steps recovery program. Right. Yeah. I don't know if you're f- familiar with that. I've heard about it. Yeah. Um, so God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Mm. So why worry about things that you've got no control over? Yeah. Yeah. Let's test it. Let's test it. Ask Ask me about Brexit. Yeah. Ask me, ask me what I feel, think about Brexit. What's your, what's your thoughts on the whole Brexit situation? Couldn't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> it really, so, really doesn't bother me. Yeah. You know when we come out, oh, so it's Halloween now, isn't it? Oh, it's October the 31st. Yeah, yeah. November the 1st when we wake up in the, mor- in the morning, the sky's going to be blue. Yeah. Water's going to be wet. Yeah. And um, post boxes are still going to be red. Yeah. It's not going to change anything, is it? No. I, I was at the same view on it. Like, yeah. It really doesn't interest me at all. Like, yeah. Obviously, like I know it's happening. But it doesn't change really anything in my yeah. life and my family's life. Don't waste any time worrying about yeah. it. So that that's part of that that circle of influence. Mm. Um, I worry about the things that I can control. I worry yeah. about which is myself. I can I can look after myself. Um, I can make sure I get a good night's sleep every night. Um, I, if I don't want to go out with my mates, guess what? I can tell them. I can tell them and say, look, I, I fancy a bit of bit of downtime tonight. Yeah. Um, so what if they're going out and spending all their money on Stella or whatever? Yeah. I'm not going to be part of that. Had a fair share. We've all done it, um, <laughs> and that was one of that was one of the things I used to do a lot um, when I was in the, in the military. Mm. I would mask whatever emotions I was um, feeling by by drinking. And the majority, it's still happening all over the place. You see it day in day out yeah. uh, with guys, people I know now. Um, it's almost part and parcel of like you must. You must do it because it's like it's nature for you're in the army, so you go out and drink. Yeah. And I'm I don't know about yourself, but since I left the military, my social life's actually better in terms of like I've got a probably bigger circle of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we do go out, it's a lot more casual, a lot more a lot more fun. Whereas yeah. like in the military, you just kind of like you just got this thing in your head where you just know that no matter how drunk you get, someone's going to put you to bed. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It's, I think that's what it is. Like blokes yeah. and girls just go out and get blighted, don't they? They yeah. just like you just you just don't care and you just it's carnage. I was really worried. I was, I, I I drink once a year. Mm. Um, I drink at Remembrance Day. Oh, okay. That's my my one day. I'll go out and I'll have a have a bit of a skinful bit of mm. a party. Um, for whatever reasons, um, but yeah, the next day probably the next three days I'm, <laughs> I'm in recovery mode yeah. but that doesn't mean I don't, don't go out with my mates and I yeah. don't go out and socialise and stuff I'll go out and, and sit there and I almost get I almost get caught up in the moment by proxy yeah okay um, so I'll go out and I'll drink alcohol free lager really so um, I'm, I'm drinking Beck's Blue yeah well, I mean, Beck's still, is, still a Beck's drinker still then. a Beck's drinker yeah but I'll drink Beck's Blue mm. so I've still got the bottle in my hand it's a green bottle there's lager coming out of it if I put it into a glass it looks like lager so to all intents and purposes, for everybody else, I'm mm. still drinking. I'm still part of their, their group. Uh, for, the, for those watching and listening, 
try it the next time you go out. Oh, it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. You, you, you almost get drunk by proxy because you get okay. caught up in the moment. So, yeah, so emotionally you're still all there laughing and joking. Yeah. And, and then you can walk out and drive home. Yeah. Magic. Yeah. And then the next day... You wake up fresh as a daisy, you can enjoy the day. You don't waste half a weekend lying on the sofa eating crisps and watching <laughs> yeah. box sets, you know, yeah, yeah. recovery. But yeah, um, drinking is okay in moderation. Socialising is the best part of it. Mm. Um, Socialising for the right reasons. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because like you said, even though you've come out better on the other side, it's still important to socialise with people, talk with people, absolutely, be involved in conversations, um, eye to eye. Yeah. You know, not via speaking to five people on a group chat. Yeah. It's not the same, is it? No, absolutely you know, not. Oh, hello, mate. How's it doing? Emoji, emoji, emoji. It's not yeah, the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's nothing beats good old-fashioned conversation. Yeah. Start bouncing off each other. It starts raising your, um, your endorphins. It starts releasing a bit of dopamine. Feel mm. good chemicals start, start coursing around your body. And yeah, it's really good for you. Really good for your mental health. Really positive. So... Moving forward from there, um, what's your plans like over the next 12 months? Because obviously you're doing a lot of talks and that now um, around the country. Is it just a case of sort of like growing on that, um, sort of getting gigs, at sort of events? Um, or, you know, are you, are you looking to maybe go on perhaps to your own podcast or do more guest appearances? As I start getting a little bit braver with the, um, the technology and stuff, yeah, I've, I've created a YouTube channel. I've got a couple of videos, um, bits and pieces there, but... Yeah. Two subscribers, <laughs> I think one of his family. But um, hopefully after this, you have a few more. <laughs> Subscribe. <laughs> Links in the comments. Yeah. So um, yeah, I just want to get that message out there to as many people as I can. Mm. Um, I'm not doing it to make make me a millionaire. I'm not doing it to make money in any way, shape, or form. I think the message is far more important. Yeah. Than that. Definitely. Um, so yeah, if, if if there's anybody listening or or, or um, viewing or whatever um, that want me to come and talk to their organisation, yeah. I'll, Give me a shout, I'll come along and, uh, and I'll talk to them. So I work quite closely with Mental Health First Aid England as well. Okay. Uh, when they run their instructor courses, um, I go and deliver plenary sessions, so lived experience um, sessions for their, their Mental Health First Aiders. So I, I give them a little bit of hands-on experience from my point of view. Um, they get the ability to question me about my, my experiences um, and they get a bit more of a, a broader picture um, about the, the, the spectrum of mental health kind of issues that are out there and the people that suffer them. Yeah, so. that's, that's awesome. Yeah, really good. Um, and to be, <coughs> you know, I'd, I'd love to see you at more, at more events than that. And I'm sure uh, we'll chat about afterwards. There's a few people I can put you in touch with um, who organise events that I'm sure would love to have you um, speak to a, a wide audience, um, especially you know, about exactly what we just talked about here because I guarantee you the people that, um, the demographic of people that go there you know, half of them probably have an underlying mental um, condition or issue of some sort, whether it be with themselves or well, the, work. The or statistics are massive, and the statistics yeah. don't lie. There's, um, um, they, they estimate that one in four of the adult population will be struggling with poor mental health yeah. um, at any one time in their life. Um, and what mental health is, it's totally non-discriminatory. It doesn't give a shit who yeah, you are. It doesn't. Right. Um, you could be the biggest, hardest, richest, funniest, most popular, whatever kind of guy you are. If the mental health's going to get you, it's going to get you. It is. Yeah. Um, well, it's done it to many people, the celebrity-wise, we've seen it over the years and we've taken yeah. their own lives. And that's, that's what that, I think. Um, I, it's no mark of shame that I suffer from depression. It's no mark of shame that I've got bipolar affective disorder. It's no mark of shame that I've attempted, uh, attempted to end my own life. Um, I'm in bloody good company. Some of the funniest men in the world. Jim Carrey, for example. <laughs> yeah. He, he suffers with um, depression. Robin Williams took his own life, one of the funniest men I've ever had the pleasure to watch. Mm. Um, some of the most successful people, Gary Speed, the old Wales football yeah, manager, yeah. Um, Tyson Fury, they don't come much bigger and harder and tougher than him, and yeah. he's got some, some prime notes in the bank as well. Yeah. Um, he famously he famously dedicated his, his I, I don't know if you saw the fight, he got knocked down, yeah. and when he, when he got back up again after the eight count, and he was, he was, proper knocked out and he, he dedicated that to everybody that's come back from mm. depression like laying that. on their back can only look up yeah yeah mm. yeah so it's amazing yeah we're not we're not anything to be feared people with mental health issues we are part of that community chances are the people that are, are sitting looking at this now or people um, listening to this um, 
three people around them could be suffering with it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it is so much more common, but we just don't speak about that stigma. I think it's almost like this. Uh, there's there's two issues that are moving <coughs> further and further away apart from each other. So you've got the the, um, the speed and demands of and quality of life to have or to have quality of life in the first world country nowadays, whether it be UK, America, Australia, whatever, is moving that way. And then the rate at which people are talk, not talking about the issues is moving that way. So it's kind of like. Well, it's going like that. It's like like a linear sort yeah. of thing, isn't it? Yeah, we're, this interconnected world is yeah. driving us apart. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I was having a conversation yesterday about the about the internet and connectivity and how we're all moving at 110 miles an hour all the time. And that's what I was doing before before I had my breakdown. Before the psychiatrist sent me off for mm. off work for all that time. Since I've come back and I mentioned my my working hours and stuff, guess what's happened to my productivity? Got up massively. Yeah. Efficiency got massively. Producing quality quality work with fewer mistakes. My efficiency's gone up massively because I'm planning everything better. Yeah. Um, I only check the emails twice a day in work. Mm, that's good. Um, you get some people are waiting for that next notification. They'll be concentrating on something, tapping mm. away and stuff, and then something yeah. will ping up and takes you out of that moment. It's, it's um, something I've implied myself, um, and it was actually advised by my wife because she noticed like she'd come onto a computer or something after I've used it and I had like 20 different tabs open and I, I've read the statistics as well about multitasking and how you're I think it's 28-30% less effective we're men when you yeah we can't multitask I mean, yeah and we can't multitask being doomed either but um yeah you're actually 28-30% less effective when you're trying to multitask mm. um so there's a really good book out I don't know if you've read it called The One Thing Right. It, I'd recommend it if you haven't read it and it actually really hammers home the importance of concentrating on the one thing all the time and we alluded to it earlier like you were doing uh, through your you know your sort of individual gains yeah. um, and it, it, I can't understand the, uh, stress enough the, the importance of it and I've started doing it myself so like I block sort of things through the day now so I spend between 9 and 10 on this 10 to 11 on this mm-hmm. 11 to 12 on that yeah. half 12 to 2 is completely my time and then block, 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 and then I only concentrate on that, on that particular thing during those times, yeah. and it's worked. My efficiency and my productivity levels have gone up hugely, yeah, yeah. And, and, and with my own business, and you know, the social media side of stuff, and it's been fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I can't, can't stress it enough, it's really good to... Do you use um, like mindfulness or anything like that? Have you ever heard um, yeah, I, I've read into it a lot, um, and I've actually started implementing like meditation into my daily oh, routine. Meditation, yeah, That's I don't, right I, out there. Like I know, I don't, and I don't mean like cross legs, like uh, proper Zen stuff. Yeah, proper Zen stuff. I mean literally just just calm, relaxed, like headphones on, uh, listening to the app uh, Headspace. Oh, I've started awesome. using. Awesome. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. I'm not an affiliate by any way. Yeah, not um, yeah. <laughs> um, but give us a call after this. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 I can't recommend it enough and just in the mornings or it, I've actually been using it sort of in the evenings as well um, if I've had a pretty busy day and it just helps you sort of zone out, recollect all your thoughts and then you sort of, um, it's, it can almost start rewarding yourself for the achievements that you've uh, got, got through in the day yeah. um, that you might not have really recognised. Yeah. And then it actually makes you realise as well just how productive you've been yeah. or even things that you need to change on and better yourself on if needs be. Yeah. So yeah, from, from a, a mindfulness perspective, I'd say, yeah, I've, um, I've been getting involved in it a lot more. So I, I started using mindfulness techniques as part of um, cognitive behavioural therapy. Oh yeah, cool. Um, part of the therapy that I was going through working with counsellors. I think it doesn't work for everybody, but um, it, I'm not sure how effective it was for me at the time. But looking back on it, um, I'm using it now in my, in my, my daily routine moving forwards. Um, I use the Headspace app as well. Mm. Um, and I find if I'm getting overwhelmed, if I've got 101 things start start happening, plug into that app, three minutes. And it's called the three minute reset. Yeah. And I sit there, I listen to that, and it just stops all those thoughts. Yeah. Just yeah. whizzing around in your head, mm. and you can concentrate on, on the bits and pieces. And it sounds counterintuitive, but you've got so many things to be doing, you don't want to be wasting time listening to, listening to somebody talking to you. But yeah, it's phenomenal bit of kit. I really, really do recommend that kind of stuff. Yeah, he's um he's brought out a, f- a phenomenal app there. He's um he's he has, he hasn't missed a trick of it either, and you know there's more and more people using it all the time. Yeah, yeah. and it's it used to be a bit of a taboo subject, didn't it? Like meditation and stuff like that. But I, f- I find, and I'm sure you will, li- literally every influencer that I listen to, whether it be a podcast or author, speaker, 
um, you know, trainer, coach, everyone like that, like every single one of them meditates. Yeah. Every single yeah. one, or yeah. really tunes into like their own mindfulness, uh, yeah. or are more appreciative of it. Yeah. Um, and as a result, they're so much more productive. Their businesses are, they are. Yeah. And and then you know, and that's it. The result in the result of that is they have many more listeners, people like me, learning from them um, because of how they set themselves up with their day because of the, you know things like that. They're then able to shut out all the peripheral noise. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And we do live in a really noisy environment. We mm. were talking about them, talking about using mobile phones as alarm clocks and stuff earlier on. Um, I was in town yesterday in Southampton, parked the car in the multi-storey car park, went up the, the um, escalators, and I was following a couple. They, they got out of the car, a couple of cars away from me, um, so they'd obviously been on a, on a journey together. As soon as they got in out of the multi-storey car park, phones out of their pockets, and that was it. Mm. And we, we followed them around, and we, they were obviously going out into the, the precinct. Um, not a word spoken between the pair of them. They were just looking at their phones. Tap, tapping away, tapping away. They kept stopping and people were walking into the back of them. It's almost like they're in a relationship with somebody else. Uh, yeah. But it might as well be. Me and my missus walking behind them and they were just like, what is that all about? Mm. Is that what is that what this life has come to? Yeah. You cannot put that down and enjoy quality time with, with people. Yeah. I remember my last meal as I was leaving the army, uh, like a leaving meal. I said to all the lads, like, no one gets their mobile phones out. If you do, you're paying for the whole meal. That's the way. I and, do that uh, family meals. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, what? Like, and you can see guys are itching to like. You mean I can't take a photograph of my dinner? Yeah, the, people were everyone. people were itching to like get on Snapchat and stuff like that. Yeah. Just come on, yeah, yeah. you know. And the way I see it is, if you're out with a meal with people and you're sat there scrolling through Facebook in front of me, like, I don't think there's anything more insulting. It's like if somebody who you've not seen in ten years is picture of their sick kid is like more important than yeah. what you've got to say to them right now. You might as well walk well, out. The gerbil riding the cat or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I do think that's half the problem with like a lot of young lads and lasses in the military and the big spike in like mental health problems. You, you know yourself, like um, a lot of people now live in single man accommodation, so they straight away shut off or they shut themselves off straight after work, mm. and they instead of spending um, or occupying their time better and more wisely by working on themselves, whether that be a course or just improving you know their whole personal development. Um, they spend most of the evening playing FIFA, Fortnite, or um, watching stupid videos on YouTube that have no relevance to sort of progression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then that, that, that's what their day's made up of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm lucky, I, I count myself lucky that in my, my formative years in the military, we didn't have any internet. Mm. Um, throughout the summer and stuff, we'd, we'd get in from work, um, getting off the tank park or whatever, get mountain bikes out and go and like yeah, yeah. Hamel or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the winter on the weekends and stuff, we'd be arranging ski trips to mm. go up the mountains, or yeah, we'd be, we'd be out doing stuff. Mm. Nine times out of ten, it involved drinking, but um, <laughs> we, we would go and do stuff with with people, um, and yeah, nice and social, good social environment, supporting each other. Um, but yeah, almost bettering ourselves just by by doing that. So yeah, um, there's a place for it all. Yeah, yeah, there is. I mean, and, and it's like again going back to the influence we all follow. They use it very well. Yeah. yeah. Um. Not nine times out of ten, it's to get the message out, and you actually learn something from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's got its place. It's got its place in it. Just got to be in moderation. Yeah. 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 I mean, if it wasn't for the internet, we wouldn't be sat here now. No, no, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. No, people wouldn't listen to the podcast. Absolutely. So, yeah. Don't turn off the internet keep using it for this kind of stuff <laughs> yeah because yeah. it's, it's learning stuff yeah. yeah um so big question i usually ask uh, most of my guests um <laughs> we've, we've uh, got this awesome little time machine here and uh you're, you're allowed to post a little post-it note in it send it back to 16 year old bish with a couple of bullet points on but what would those bullet points say to 16 year old bish oh, little bits of advice Good God, that's a, that is a hard question. Like, it is, isn't that? Like, I, I do like I asking like it, it because it actually help, or makes the guest it quickly reflect on like almost like a flashback <coughs> of, uh, of a few years, the, the 16-year-old self, but and what's happened since. I think the two bullet points, um, the two bullet points I would put on my post-it would be be yourself. Don't be who others, who you, don't be what you think other people want you to be. Be yourself. 
So that's, does that count one bullet? Yeah, yeah. Um, and the other one is obviously going to be here. It's not weak to speak. Um, and I might expand on that one a little bit. It's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And it's not definitely not weak to speak. I think those would be my kind of two bullet yeah. points. And that thing, um, whenever people find out I'm an ex-military, whenever they find out I'm a veteran and things I've, I've been, been seen and done, and then they find out I've got mental health, Oh, poor you. Mm. Oh, the army's done that to you. Yeah. No, I didn't. The army. I owe the army everything mm. for the person that I am today. Yeah. For all the life experiences that he's given me, I did this to me by not accepting, not accepting that there was something wrong, um, by ignoring that engine warning light when that came on. Um, so, yeah, the army didn't do it to me. I did it to myself. Mm. Um, through choice, I, I could have chosen to accept the advice, or, the, or those kind of things. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I would, yeah, be yourself, not who others want you to be. No, that's, that's amazing, and um, I, I guess a, a common theme I've had with a lot of the guests who have been on, I've asked that question to, you know, often allude to being yourself because it's made them that attitude has made them a better version of themselves now. Absolutely. As a result, and um, you know that's why. The podcast is called what it's called you know it'd be the best version of you because it's really trying to hammer that that message home and it's it's great that like a lot of my guests do that and they're doing it now and they are as a result you know walking talking sort of that's them they're being the best version of themselves now because of the what that attitude yeah um so it's brilliant um where can people find you if they want to get in touch and obviously like you know like see you get some good speaking engagements like this because there's, you've got an amazing message, like absolutely amazing. To, it's not every day like I or anybody can meet or hear or listen to somebody that's been through what you've been through. Um, so I think your story needs to be told to as many people as possible because there's thousands of people out there who are not speaking. Um, so if they wanted to reach out and find you, where, where would be the best place? Probably probably LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, I'm on LinkedIn um, as Andy Bishop RE, I think is the, 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 the tag on there. Um, there's a picture of me on there with my beautiful beard. Um, I'm on Twitter as Baldy Greybeard for obvious reasons. Um, those are the only two social media channels I, I, I use. Yeah. I don't use um, Facebook and Instagram and all that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, LinkedIn's probably the best way. Yeah. Um, or the email email address that um, I'm sure you're going to put in there. Yeah, I'll, and I'll put all your tags in the show notes. Um, not a problem. Yeah. Um, but or they can get in touch with you and you can yeah 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 pass, pass on yeah. Um, well, guys. There you have it, Mr. Andy Bishop. It's been an absolute pleasure to have had you on the show, mate. Um, we've been speaking for some time, but I'm glad you actually, you know, managed to get here and get the show done. And you can, and you've been able to deliver your message in such fine form. And I'm, I'm sure people listening and watching at home um, would have taken a lot of golden nuggets away from your experiences and your advice. Um, so honestly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for for coming today and, and joining me on the show. Thanks for inviting me, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Definitely. So, guys, there you have it. Um, what an absolute pleasure to listen to Bish, uh, his amazing story um, from tragedy to triumph, and he's now going around the country helping other people in need, people, other people that have mental con- illnesses and conditions. Um, so if you find yourself in a dark spot, please like pick up a phone, pick up any, just get in touch with somebody who can help. Get in touch with Bish. I'm sure he'll be happy to listen. Um, but until next time, Okay, I'm really happy that uh, you guys tuned in and I look forward to seeing you on the next best version of you.